and my sister Kathy and I, along with 10 others, were wandering around in the places in the story that we're going to read today. So we were in Bethany. Jesus is going to be in Bethany. Jesus is going from Bethany over the Mount of Olives. We're on the Mount of Olives. And then we dropped in Jerusalem. We were going to Jerusalem. So it's, it's, really, it's really incredible for me to be able to come and to read the story, but also to be able to picture and hopefully try to bring back some of those pictures for you to be able to picture this place and these people. What we did on the journey of understanding is we listened and then we learned and we questioned and we scratched our heads. And what we, what the bottom line is we were just, we are committed to the ministry of reconciliation in that very, very troubled and violent place on the planet. But what really encourages us, we're, we're not, it's not just people from the outside. It's the people that are inside. It's the Israelis and the Palestinians that have committed themselves. We, we can live here together. And that's what God would want us to do. And this violence is senseless. It needs to stop. It's crazy. It's politics. Let's, get, let's move beyond politics. So it's a wonderful world. And uh, because we were there and because uh, we start in Bethany, look at John chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. And there they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Just so we don't get confused... Lazarus was a friend of Jesus and Martha and Mary as well, his sisters. So this family knew Jesus, they loved Jesus, and Lazarus got sick, and Lazarus died. He didn't have a near-death experience. We read about you know, near-death experiences. This wasn't a near-death experience. This was a four days wrapped in spices, put into a tomb, the stone rolled over, dead experience. This guy was dead. And Jesus, as you read the story, which we're not going to do, he, he delayed his arrival so that he could say, Lazarus, come out. Resurrected from the dead. Incredible. As you read that, just introductory, there's two things. There's a Passover happening and you've got this resurrected guy. And it seems to me that if we're going to really understand what's happening in Palm Sunday leading into Easter, if we're really even going to understand the story of Jesus, we've got to understand what's the Passover about. So let me start there. Passover, Peshach, in Hebrew, is one of the three major pilgrimage festivals of ancient Israel. Originally, it was a combination of a couple of different spring festivals. It's the commemoration, however, of the exodus from Egypt, especially the night when God passed over the houses of the Israelites during the 10th plague in Egypt. And the following day when the Israelites had to leave Egypt hurriedly. Passover celebrates God's great redemptive act. Redemption. So what you want to keep in your mind, this is now a celebration of redemption. Once again, calendar year, year after year, Israel is celebrating. There is a God 
who redeems us. He started it in Egypt, and there's another redemption coming. There's a hope of redemption. And notice, the Israelites traveled this pilgrimage to Jerusalem where the adult males journeyed to the temple in Jerusalem to offer sacrifices, and notice the next, and to bask in the divine presence. We're going up to Jerusalem to offer our sacrifice and to be in God's presence. Now the redemption at the time of Jesus is we want to be redeemed from Rome. So Israel was under occupation. It had been under occupation since 63 B.C. It's going to stay under occupation until the 300s A.D. And you can't really see this very well, but just to to illustrate, here is the temple where the sacrifices were made on the other side. The Holy of Holies, all that's there. These are the porches. So the church begins in these porches But this right here, if we could see it, that is the Antonian Fortress. So that's where the Roman officials set up their shop. That's their offices. That's the barracks. They wanted to watch. They wanted to watch everything that was going on in the temple. They wanted to oversee it. And so for those Israelites that traveled to worship, I mean, this was like, this was an eyesore. This was like incredibly imposing this was a these guys I mean they're watching the most precious thing in our lives our worship we want to be free we want to we want to be redeemed we want to be set free from Roman occupation and so Jesus coming into Jerusalem comes from Bethany which is on the other side of the Mount of Olives Again, just to help you, this little tower, this whole thing is the Mount of Olives. It's called the Mount of Olives because there's olive trees on it. Good job. So Bethany is over there. So he's coming over the Mount of Olives. He's coming down. This is the Temple Mount, so the temple would have been here. That's where he's headed. Verse 9, John chapter 12. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, that they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus. The word was out. Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And because of all of that hustle and bustle, the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death. Now think about that for a moment. Jesus just raised this guy from the dead. How do you, how do you kill a, re- a resurrected guy? I mean, does that make any sense to anybody? He's just been raised. I mean, like, wouldn't they think, like, well, maybe the guy that raised him from the dead, if we killed him, he'd raise him like to, from the dead again. I mean, the only thing I can say is sometimes religion blinds us. Even good religion. Even a religion like the religion that has the longest history with God on the planet. I think the lesson for us is that if religion gets in the way of relationship, you will not see what God's doing. 
And then you can kind of think of some really stupid things, like we're going to kill this guy that was just resurrected from the dead. What? And it was because of, of Lazarus being raised from the dead, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, it was because of that event that many Jews were deserting. It's very important to say this. They're not deserting Judaism. Those that are Jews that are following Jesus remain Jews following Jesus. They're deserting these chief priests that are leading them astray. These chief priests that have figured out a religion that benefits them, keeps them in power, keeps them wealthy. They're also chief priests that are in in league with Rome. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So they're deserting the leadership of Judaism at the time and, and they're believing in Jesus. Well, what are they believing about Jesus? What are they believing about Jesus in light of this Passover, in light of this occupation, in light of this resurrection? Well, they believe in raised from the dead. But what, is it, what does a Jew believe about resurrection? Just some thoughts. There's no systematic treatment in the rabbinic lit- literature. Rabbinic means this era before the New Testament and in, within the New Testament. That's the, the era called the rabbinic era. There's no systematic treatment of the doctrine of resurrection during that time any more than there is any other theological topic. The ancient rabbis were organic rather than systematic thinkers. Nevertheless, the picture which emerges from the numerous eschatological, that's the end times thoughts, is this literature, is that there's a three-stage event. One, resurrection has to do with the state of the soul in heaven after death. Two, resurrection has to do with the messianic age here on the earth at the end of days. And then the last, the resurrection of the dead. Unlike the doctrine of the immortality of the soul, the belief in the resurrection was nationalistic rather than individualistic. It's the hope of national revival that came to the fore and this embraced the resurrection after the restoration of the Jewish people to its homelands in the days of Messiah it was believed the resurrection of the dead would take place that's a really important sentence by the way this is this is out of Jewish literature this isn't Christian interpretation just bringing it out of a Jewish source let me read that again After the restoration of the Jewish people to its homeland in the days of the Messiah, it was believed the resurrection of the dead would take place. In the story we're reading, there's been a resurrection. What do you think people are beginning to think? What are people beginning to wonder? The Pharisees, the predecessors of mainstream rabbinic Judaism, seem to have held that both doctrines were basic to Judaism. The resurrection afforded hope for national survival together with the idea of Messiah. So resurrection within Judaism begins to get wrapped up in what? what did, I'm reading you quotes. I'm just wanting to, are we tracking together? What's it? There's two themes that are wrapped up in that idea. What? What is it? Just say it out loud. Return to homeland resurrection of, of a country, not of a people. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, re- it's a nationalistic notion of resurrection of a, of a people. When we're under oppression, 
we're going to come back into a golden age. And, and who, I mean, who, there, there's somebody else centered on that idea. Who? Messiah. Messiah. So when, when, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, it went way beyond an individual that came back to life. It began to push these buttons. Is this the time of Messiah? Is this the, are, have we come to the end of days? Is this now the time that Messiah will intervene and that our nation will be revived? So if you can kind of put it together, there's the setting of the stage for Messiah, the coming of the king. So Passover, Passover was always a reminder of the hope of redemption for the Jewish people. But in particular, at the time that Jesus was on the planet, it's the hope of redemption from the Romans. And that resurrection was connected with notions of the messianic age, but it wasn't individualistic. It had to do with the hope of our nation. Israel will survive these foreign occupations. And then that rolls into this idea of national revival, restoration. It's the return of the golden age of the Jewish people. It's the Messianic age, or we might say it's the age to come. All of that's being rolled into this. This is not just simply, Lazarus has come back to life. This is what the conversations were about. And it seems as we read John 12, 12 to 19, read the background into these verses. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival, Passover, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And so they took branches of of palm trees and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! What does that mean? Somebody say it out. Hosanna! Hosanna! If that went somewhere, it didn't stick in there. Save us. They're saying, redeem us. Redeem us. Redeem us from these Romans. Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King. What's the synonym of King. I'm here and mumbling. What's I'm just. I'm, what's the synonym of king? Ruler. Ruler. Good. Messiah. Messiah means king. Messiah of Israel, King of Israel. Save us. Redeem us. Jesus found a young donkey, sat on it, as is written. Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look. Everybody, read the next line out loud. Look. Your king is coming. Your king is coming. His disciples did not understand these things at first. So if we don't understand, don't worry about it. I mean, the Holy Spirit will help us. We can help each other. The first disciples didn't get it. When Jesus was glorified, that's when they remembered these things that had been written about him and what had been done. So the crowd that had been with him, when he'd called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him from the dead, 
continued to testify resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. And when resurrection is happening in their mind with their education, what they believe, they're also saying the time of redemption is near. Messiah is near. And could he be the one? It was also because they heard they had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, Dang! You, you, we, we can't do anything. The world has gone after him. They're undoing our control. We're losing control. And these people, these crowds of people think he's Messiah. They think redemption has come. They think that the, the, the messianic age is dawning. And you know what? They were both right and they were wrong. It's really incredible that God doesn't let us figure it all out. It's really incredible that as much as God communicates with us and reveals to us, he still is the one that is in total control. So do I believe Jesus is the king of the Jews bringing redemption? Yes. But he brought it in a different way. And he also didn't just bring it to the Jew. He's also bringing it to the rest of the world. Because did you notice the Pharisees are saying the whole world. Now from their perspective, that would be their little world. That would be their Jewish world. They did not, they were the pure ones. They didn't look outside of that world. So I think John adds the next couple of verses now, among those who went up to worship at the festival, again, Passover, there were, there were some Greeks. Now, where do Greeks come from? The Hellenized world. The Hellenized world is not Israel. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and they said to him, Sir, we're not Israelis, we're not Israelites, we don't live in the land, we live outside of the land, we're Greeks, we're there, they would be Jews, but we want to see Jesus. We want the redemption. We want the Messiah. And if we see Jesus, guess what they're going to do with Jesus when they go home? See, this is good news. Not just for the Jew, but also for everyone. He's the king of all. The king of the world and heaven has arrived. Today is a day just to say to you that I, I, I believe with all of my soul and all that I am that Jesus is the Messiah of everyone. And I do believe that he is the redemption of us all. And I do believe that he has begun to set things on the right, just everything right that's gone wrong, and he will complete it when he returns. That's, that, I think, is part of the mystery, that he didn't do it right then, but he activated the means 
of our world being set right by his death and his resurrection. And then he called people to follow him and said, okay, I started it. You continue it and I'll finish it when I return. So you and I have this incredible opportunity to live lives of tremendous meaning that have tremendous impact on history and all of humanity. We get to join Jesus, the King of all, in addressing each and every evil and wrong on the planet. Again, we might not successfully solve those things, but we should at least try, and sometimes we'll even die trying. When he comes back, he will finish it. And so what I would like to to kind of leave you with is this connection between the king and the resurrection and life. As we walked down the traditional path of Palm Sunday, I stopped. This is what you see. When you're walking down the path, I'm going downhill. There's kind of fences around you. You kind of look through a gate. This is what you see on the Mount of Olives. What is that? It's a graveyard. It's a Jewish graveyard. It's a cemetery. (laughs) So the irony... Wait. There was a celebration coming down this hill celebrating the resurrection of Lazarus and now the hill... Is a graveyard. So I couldn't, I couldn't, I just, I, I just can't get away from these words that Jesus spoke to Martha. Martha, River City Vineyard, Jewish families that have your loved one buried on. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Key question. Do you believe this? Do we believe this? Do we believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do we believe that by believing in him, we will never die? And that if we die, or when we die, when we fall asleep, we will be raised. Do we believe? You know, and I just I began to think this morning... When you enter into that area of the world, and there is such this, this, this nationalistic conflict between these nations, Jesus didn't say, your nation is the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And I begin to think, you know, when... I mean, he's the Messiah. He understands this redemptive thing. 
And he understands that he's going to redeem nations, but he's going to redeem and resurrect an individual. What's the message there? Do we want our nation resurrected? Then the people of this nation must believe in Jesus. I mean, being in Israel and Palestine, both, they they want their nations resurrected. Guess what the hope of both Israel and Palestine is? Jesus. There's no, there is absolutely, positively no other hope. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So my friends, the hope of the Jew and the hope of the Gentile comes down to this one. It's Jesus. And the final, final thing is our life is not just about later. Our life is about now. Troubles come for everyone. Troubles come for everyone. And what we believe about Jesus concerning our future is meant to come back upon us in the very present. So that Jesus today brings to life things that are dead. Jesus today fills us with life, really living life. Even if, if life has fallen apart, he's, still, he's at the center of the life. He's just saying, do you believe? Do you believe that I'll see you through this time of being encased in a tomb? Do you believe that I can resurrect and make all things new? So would you like to stand with me? Let's just kind of pray that direction. Jesus, on this Palm Sunday... We want to recognize that you are the king. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. (laughs) You're the one in whom we have hoped for. And you have come and you have brought redemption to the world. You have set us free. And Lord, you've done that by uh, inviting us to believe in you. You've made yourself known. You've accommodated yourself to us so that we could enter into a relationship with Almighty God person to person. And Lord, as we live this life, we recognize there are days that are good, there are days that are not so good. And as we celebrate today that you are the resurrection and the life, we just, I just really pray that you just like breathe life, breathe your life, into all of us. I pray that we would be as fully alive today as we possibly could be because of you. Lord, I pray for this young Jewish man that I I just could share a little bit. I, I pray that he would come to know you, that he would come alive, that he would follow you. I pray, Lord, for those people in our lives that have yet to come to know Jesus, that we would somehow, some way, stop and listen to you as you empower our witness to speak of Jesus, the King of resurrection and of life. So empower our community, Lord. 
to live and to speak of the only one who is the hope of our planet and all of humanity. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for a time of celebration. Thank you that you're at the center of that celebration. And it's in your name that we pray.